Amen. So, um, tonight's talk is called Run for Your Lives. Run for Your Lives. First of all, open up to uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. It's the same place we were in last week. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, but I want to focus on a different part of it. I'm just going to read it real quick to you. It says this, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The first week we talked about the, the, the reason why God gives us the, uh, the teachings he gives us on sex, why he says what he says about sex, how it protects us, how it's for our benefit to listen to us. It's not, it's not like he's just trying to like ruin our lives. He's actually trying to benefit us. Uh, if you are a follower of Jesus, but even if you're not a follower of Jesus, there are logical reasons that make sense if, if we talk about them, to, that make sense as to why we would obey God in this way and when it comes to sexuality. And so last week, uh, again, we, we kind of moved into the specifics a little bit more, like how do we do it? We know, we know that we should and we know why, but, but how do we live in this world where like our bodies feel a certain way and the world is teaching us something and like we want certain things sexually, um, but we know that God wants different things for us. And so how do we function in that way? We talked about honoring God with our body. But some of us, and I'm a specifics person, some of us always want more specifics. And we want more details. And so that's what we're going to get a little bit into tonight. Is, is the way that we can specifically honor God with our bodies. What are some of the specifics? How do we do that? What are some of the practical steps? So I hope you'll take notes. I hope you'll write this down um, and really pay attention and think about what this has to do with where you're at right now. And I want to start again with Paul's, kind of Paul's number one piece of advice as to how to honor God with our body. And it is in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. And I'm just going to read the first part of it. It is one sentence, four words. Flee from sexual immorality. Let's all say that together. One, two, three. Flee from sexual immorality. This is what he's saying. Flee. Run away. Go that way. If, if sexual immorality is over here, run in the other direction. This isn't like one of those weird interpretation things where it's like, well, actually, in the Greek, it meant kind of stay here and, uh, and, and just try to, try to do your best. No, it means run away, run out of danger, get away from, from, from the, the danger and get to safety. It's just like when you've seen an old horror movie, if you see some of those, like, uh, Halloween and, and Freddy Krueger, those kind of movies, where people are, like, running out of buildings, and, and they're always walking behind them, but somehow they're always catching up, and they're running away, and they're like, run for your lives, run for your lives, or Godzilla's coming, and they're speaking in Japanese or whatever, but, like, run for your lives, run for your lives, we got to get out of here, we got to get away. That's what Paul's saying here. He's not, he's not kind of being nice, like, hey, guys, yeah, you know, just kind of feel it out, see what happens. No, he's saying, run away. There's no misinterpretation here. He's saying flee. So the first thing in your notes is flee and put extra E's on there. Flee. Put at least like five or six E's to remind yourself of what, what, what he is speaking with here. He's speaking with a lot of oomph there and a lot of, a lot of power. He's saying flee, get away. I can imagine him writing this to these, these people who, again, if you were not here last week, these Corinthians that were in this terrible situation with just sex all around them, more so than even today, Sexual uh, uh, problems, prostitution, uh, um, nakedness, just all around them. And they were just stuck in the middle of that. And he just said, flee, you've got to get 
out of there. Don't try to, don't try to stand up to it. Just run away. Now, this is kind of hard for us because as humans, even if we don't think of ourselves as prideful, a lot of times we're just really prideful. We think, well, I, I have enough power. I have enough willpower to get out of this situation. Well, well, you don't, you don't know my situation, Ryan. Like, I can, like I'm really, like, I'm strong-minded. So, when, so when, when, when my will is set a certain way or when my mind is set, I'm not going to do something. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to pass that, that line. I'm not going to have sex. I'm not going to participate in sexual immorality. But Paul would say to the person that thinks they're, they're strong enough and the person that thinks they're weak, flee. I don't care how strong you think you are, flee. And again, we think we won't do certain things, and that's why we like to think. But the truth is, if we put ourselves in a situation enough times, it doesn't matter how strong you are, and how committed you are to your ideals and your morals or what the Bible says, you will falter. It's just the truth. You can't continually put yourself in a situation and always get out of it and willpower your way out of it. It might work the first 30 times, the first 40 times. It might work with the first boyfriend or the second girlfriend, but it won't work forever. And if you talk to our adults, if you talk to life group leaders, they would tell you the same thing. It might work a couple of times, but eventually you mess up because you have to flee from sexual immorality. So that's the first thing he tells us. He says, just, just run. If you want to honor God with your body, if you see sexual immorality or even the, the hint of sexual immorality, which would basically mean sex outside of the confines of a committed marriage, if you see any of that, you need to run in the other direction. Because here's the truth. This is the second thing in your notes. Here's the truth. We don't mess up sexually all at once. We don't mess up sexually all at once. And this, this is going to sound a little crude, but you don't walk down, um, you don't walk down a hallway at school and just kind of like bump into someone and all of a sudden you're on the ground having sex. Like it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen all at once. Girls, you're not just kind of walking around and, 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 and someone kind of nudges you with their elbow and then all of a sudden you're naked and you're having sex in the hallway. That's not how it works. It, it doesn't happen all at once. And sometimes we act like it does. We're like, well, I don't know what happened. I mean, all of a sudden our clothes are off and we're alone and we're in a room and oh my gosh, I just, uh, stuff was just happening and I, it just all happened. It just happened so fast. It didn't really happen fast. It didn't happen all at once. That's not, there are a lot of steps you have to take to have sex. There's a lot of steps. You got to get to a place. You got to, we're, we're going to get to that later. There's a lot of steps though that happen when we mess up sexually and it doesn't happen all at once. There's a lot of small decisions. They're not even right or wrong decisions. There are things that aren't in the Bible. It doesn't say not to do, but that if we go down that route, we will end up in a place we don't want to be. There's a lot of these small decisions, these, these places where we could flee, but instead we just kind of flirt a little bit. We kind of, we kind of, ah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay and see what happens. And this is proven in Proverbs 7, Proverbs chapter 7, Verses 6 through 27. So turn to that. It's about halfway through the Bible. Right after the book of Psalms. Proverbs chapter 7, verses 6 through 27. And this is the best description. Some of you think, oh, the Bible's not relevant to me. It's not, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, it's, it was written a long time ago. Listen to this and tell me if this isn't true. Written thousands of years ago before Jesus by a guy named Solomon. He was a king. He was the wisest person um, in the world, um, and, and what he does is he's, he's writing this letter almost, and he says, he says he's writing it to a son, but it's not just about guys, it's about girls or guys. He's, think about it this way. He's writing it to a child, and he's giving them advice. Think about a father giving advice to a young person. 
So he'll say, right before we pick up in the scripture, he'll say things like, keep my words, just remember this, don't forget this, don't, don't just bind this to your finger, put reminders everywhere you can, because I don't want you to miss this, I want you to keep up with the wisdom I'm going to give you. And so he's writing this to someone he loves and someone he cares about. And so he's going to tell a story. He's going to tell a story about someone that he saw, and he's given this story to his child that he cares about, that he wants to learn from it. So this is what he says. At the window of my house, I look down through the lattice. So he's sitting up on like a second, third story. He's in his palace, and he's looking down onto the town square, and he sees what's going on. And this is what he says. I saw among the simple. Now, simple in this case is kind of saying... It's not really saying stupid, but it's just saying, I saw among some people that were unwise, that that were, they they just didn't really know what was happening. They were a little bit naive. They weren't really aware of their surroundings. I, I saw among these simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth or a teenager who had no sense. Again, he's not saying this person was stupid. He's not saying this person didn't get good, good grades or didn't, didn't, wasn't raised the right way. He was just saying he just didn't really have much sense. Now, many of you are very smart, and some of you aren't so smart, and that's okay. God created us all in different ways. But you, um, you might still, even if you're smart, even if you understand and you're a bright person and you're going to go to a great college, still there are young people that sometimes just lack a little bit of sense. And it's not your fault. It's just that you haven't experienced it. You're young. And so that's what he's saying. He says, I see this simple guy, this young teenager who has no sense. And this is why he has no sense. He says this, he was going down the street near her corner. Okay, so now we're starting to get somewhere. He was walking in her direction, along in the direction of her house. Now, this young man knew where he was going, right? He was going in a a direction towards a woman, towards her house. And now let's see when it's happening. It says this, verse 9, at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. If, if some of you might have grandparents and, and they're all, or maybe some parents that are real old school, and they'll be like, son, daughter, girl, nothing good happens after midnight or whatever they say or after dark or whatever. So this is what's going on. He, he's he's kind of getting himself into trouble because he's going as the dark of night is setting in. And we know A lot of times people try to do things in the darkness of night. And it says this, and then out came a woman to meet him. Out came a woman to meet him. Dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. So she's got 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 this pushed up. She's got this showing. She's got it all kind of just hanging out. And then it's going to describe her. It says she is unruly and defiant. Her feet. Never stay at home. Now, let me give you a little, little biblical knowledge. Well, a lot of times when the Bible, not every time, but a lot of times when the Bible says the word feet, it is a, um, a symbolic reference towards the genitalia, okay? So it's saying her feet or her loins never stay at home. Some of you didn't know this kind of stuff was in the Bible, but it is. It's saying that she's kind of like the town whore. She is, she's kind of been around the block. Everybody's had a turn with this one. She knows everybody intimately, and that's just kind of what she does. So it says, now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. So it's just describing her. It's saying this is a woman that everyone knows is a woman to go to when you're trying to, to, to have a certain type of experience. 
So the guy's going in the wrong direction at the wrong time to the wrong person. And then it says this, then she took hold of him and kissed him with brazen face. She said, today I fulfilled my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. So I came out to meet you. And I've looked for you and I have found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. So these were all like spices and, and perfumes that would have been used when, uh, when you were going to get it on with, with your spouse or with somebody else. So she's saying, like, I got my best sheets on the bed. I got it nice and cool. I got the, 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 the comforters pulled down. I got the music on. I got the candles lit. I got, I got the smell smelling good. It is time to do what we're going to do. And this is what we're going to do. Verse 18. Come. Let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. This sounds real biblical and real artistic. Let's, let's drink deeply of love. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. This is really what it's saying. And again, I'm trying not to be crude, but this is what the Bible's saying. She's basically saying, let's go bang. Come on, and we're not going to do it once. We're not going to do it twice. What does she say? We're going to do it all night long till morning time. We're just going to keep on going at it. And here's why. Here's why. My husband's not at home. Oh, so she has a husband. <laughs> Wouldn't have known that by the way she was acting. She has a husband, and he's gone on a long journey. How does she know this? Because he took his purse or his wallet filled with, filled with money, and he will not be home till full moon. So that's going to be like two, three, four weeks. And so she knows that she's got some time, and what she's saying is no one's going to find out. No one's going to know. How many times have we heard that? No one's going to find out. No one's going to know. And with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And look at these next three words. All at once. All at once he followed her. Did it really happen all at once? No. It didn't happen all at once. We saw the story. We, we've heard what's going on. But at this point in the situation he put himself in, with all the decisions he made, it was like he couldn't even control himself. And all at once he follows her. And look at how it describes, her, it describes him following her. Like an ox going to the slaughter. Huh. That sounds good. Like a deer stepping into a noose or a trap till an, an arrow pierces his liver. Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. All at once, he goes to his death, to the trap that he didn't intend to get himself into necessarily. And then it says, now then, my sons and daughters, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart sh turn to her ways. And, and when it's saying her, again, don't think about a woman. Think about just the idea of lust. Don't, don't, don't let your heart turn to lust ways or stray into lust paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave. Just like ACDC, her house is a highway to hell, leading down to the chambers of death. So he describes this story to a young person. He's saying, look, it's not going to happen all at once. You cannot allow yourself to keep on moving towards sexual immorality. You have got to flee. And notice how similar the words are of two people that didn't know each other, that lived in different places, thousands and thousands of years apart. They both say the same thing. You've got to run. Run for your life. See, it's not just the weak who fail or the weak who fall. But it's the strong, the people with willpower, who are in the wrong place, at the wrong time, with the wrong thoughts, with the wrong people, and for the wrong reasons. So what is, it, what is the number one way we can flee from sexual immorality? We'll get even more specific. And that we can honor God with our bodies. And this is not going to be some new, uh, breathtaking, awe-inspiring thing. It's just two simple words. Set boundaries. Set boundaries. If you get nothing else, write that down. Set 
boundaries. If you want to know how to flee from sexual morality, if you want to know how to honor God with your body, you've got to set boundaries. You may say, where does it say that in the Bible, Ryan? It doesn't say that. Well, it, it actually does. There's, a, there's an encounter known as, the, uh, as the, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's in Matthew 5, verse 27. And, and ironically, Jesus is actually talking about sex. He's talking about lust. He's talking about sexual immorality. And this is what he says. This is, this, is, this is the best evidence of why we need to set boundaries. He says this. He's talking to this group of people, and he's saying this. You heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And at this point, everybody was like, ding, 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 I'm a winner. Haven't cheated on my wife. Haven't cheated on my husband. Hey, I'm not even married, Jesus. We're all good on this. And then there were a couple people that probably had cheated on their spouses, and they were like, oh, gosh, I didn't even get that one right. But they were like, uh, we, we got that, Jesus. That's easy. Yeah, yeah, we won't murder. We won't commit adultery. It's no problem. I haven't even gotten close. But then he takes it a step further. Again, Jesus never asked, well, how far is too far? Jesus never said, well, how far is far enough? He always took it to the next level. Because he said, we are pursuing holiness and honoring God. This is what he says. I tell you that anyone who has looked at a man or a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with him or her in his heart. So at this point, everyone's like, Jesus, come on. That, that's impossible. It's possible to not have sex with someone and to not commit adultery, but to not even lust? Come on, Jesus. You've got to be real. You've got to be serious. And Jesus says, no, no, no. This, this is the same thing. Sin is sin. Lust, sex, adultery, it's all the same thing to me. It's all sin. And furthermore, what he's saying also is that if you just keep following lust, if you keep, if you keep giving into lust and flirting with lust and going towards lust and going towards sexual morality, what's going to happen? At some point, it's going to lead to adultery. That addiction to pornography will continue, and you're going to want more and more and more, and you're going to want more than one partner, and you're going to get married one day, and you're still going to be uh, addicted to lust, and you're going to want to do other things, and all of a sudden, you're going to have lunch with, uh, with a guy or a girl, and then you're going to be like, oh, it's no big deal, but you're addicted to lust, and you kept on going down that path, and eventually, you find yourself doing the thing you said I would never do. And that's why he says, you've got you, you've to cut it off at lust. Like, you can't even lust after someone. So at this point, they all would have been like, well, that's impossible, Jesus. And the truth is, the truth is, it is impossible to be perfect. That's kind of the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the point is, is that we need a Savior. We need Jesus. But then he says, well, I'll tell you how to do it. I'm going to give you some practical steps, everybody. So Jesus says the following thing. He says this, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. I love how Jesus takes it a little step further. He's not just like gouge it out. He's like, oh no, no, once you gouge it out and you cut off those little strands that hold it together, pick it up and just throw it away. I don't even want you to be able to think about putting it back in like they would have actually been able to do that. He's like, it's a step further than anything you even think of. Take it out, cut it off, gouge it out, throw it away. Because it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand or guys, your left hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So what is Jesus saying here? What is Jesus saying? Is he advocating self-harm? Is he saying we should, we should just go around cutting off pieces of our body? No. What Jesus was doing is he was making a point. His, it, the disciples didn't walk around without hands, without eyes. We, we don't see any evidence of that in Scripture. He was not saying to harm yourself. Here's the point he's making. If you actually want to honor God with your body, if you actually want to flee from sexual immorality, immorality, if you actually want to not even lust, then you've got to take 
drastic measures. You've got to set boundaries. You've got to say, oh, my right hand's sinning. I've got, to, I've got to figure out a way to stop it from sinning. My eyes are looking lustfully upon a computer, upon another person. I've got to find a way to turn my eyes away, to set boundaries on my body. Because, I'd, I mean, I'd rather take drastic measures here than to, to end up in a place I'd never wanted to be. And so he says, you've got to take drastic measures. Now, a lot of people I've heard before say, oh, sure, I set boundaries. I set boundaries, and I'll say, I've talked to some of my college guys, and throughout the years, I'd be like, okay, so you got a new girlfriend. You setting boundaries? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, and I'd be like, okay, what's your boundaries? like, <clears throat> we're not going to have sex with other people. And I'm like, that's not a boundary. Like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Or they might say, well, I'm going to do everything except for sex. Okay, so basically what you're saying is from the get-go, I'm going to do oral, I'm going to feel them up, I'm just going to do it all, it's all okay. First of all, as we talked about last week, there's a reason it's called oral sex. There's a reason that those things simulate sex and they have the same, uh, they have the same result because they're sex. So really, in, in fact, you're not, you're, not say, you're not doing everything except sex. Now, if you're saying, I'm going to do everything except for intercourse, okay, fine. But if you say you're going to do all these things and not have intercourse, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. And I got to tell you, the guys that I've talked to over the years, the girls that I've talked to that said, hey, we're just going to do everything except for actual intercourse, nine times out of ten they have sex with that person. Why? Because they're going down the path towards sex. And they're doing so many sexual things. They're putting themselves in situations that are, that are not really conducive to avoiding and fleeing from sexual immorality. Because a boundary needs to actually be a boundary. It would be ridiculous if you drove down 3rd Street right here and the, and the speed limit was up. It's 35. Um, if the speed limit said 350 miles per hour, that wouldn't be a boundary. First of all, you can't even get that far. Nobody can even, has even, even has a car to go that fast. And, and if, if someone said, well, that's a good boundary, that, that'll keep them below 350. Well, it's not really a good boundary. It's not helping you. It's not protecting lives. It's not protecting walkers and bike riders and other cars. It's actually putting everybody in a lot of danger because it's not really a boundary. We have to set drastic boundaries. We have to set strong boundaries. That's what Jesus is saying here. Guys, guys, don't just, don't just kind of cheapen this boundary down. Don't, don't just kind of like give yourself these loose, loosey-goosey, flaky boundaries. You've got to set the line right here and not go past it. Be drastic. And that's why he talks about these drastic measures of cutting your eye out and cutting your hand off. And so, and so I'm going to give you, um, and, and this isn't necessarily, you won't necessarily find this in scripture, but if we believe that sex is, is anything to do with our sexual organs, um, then, then I think this is a, a scriptural thing. But this is what Ryan Sweat's boundaries were growing up. Now, I want to tell you, I did not always listen to these boundaries, but I will tell you this. Um, I will tell you this, that these boundaries protected me from having sex before marriage. These boundaries protected me from doing some other things that a lot of my other friends were doing. And these boundaries protected me from doing them the same number of times as other friends of mine. And my boundaries were these. My boundaries were these. Well, I'll give them to you for guys first. Guys, and this, I know this, we're going to call this guy Pat because it's a girl and a guy. Um, Pat uh, right now is a girl. Guys, you don't touch somewhere where a bathing suit, bra, or panties cover. Pretty simple. Those are sexual organs. They are sexual organs. So guys, you don't touch anything a bathing suit or a bra and panties would cover. Girls, it's a little bit easier for you. I wish it was a little bit easier for guys because we're a little bit slower. But girls, it's easier for you. You just have one place you got to avoid. Right here. Right here. 
right here, anything that boxers or shorts or a Speedo would cover. So that is what the boundaries that I set on myself and the boundaries I had with girlfriends going up was. Because at any time, if we were to start touching or feeling or doing anything in those two sections, we were on our way or having sex. And that was what was going to happen. So those are the boundaries I set for myself. Those are the boundaries, if you really want to know, and I told you it's a stupid question to ask, but if you really want to know, well, how far is too far? Well, don't, don't touch those parts. So essentially what I would say is, is even though it, I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit when I say don't, don't ask that question, we're supposed to ask honor God with your body, but, but essentially what I would say is you don't go past kissing and making out. Now, there might be some other things that, that, that you feel God is calling you to do or because of, because of, because of kind of your history and kind of what you struggle with it, that you say, I'm not even going to do that. But I would say those were my boundaries as, as, as I put them into practice. Now, here are two questions I want you to ask yourself. As we're asking about setting boundaries, as we're talking about fleeing from sexual immorality, I want you to ask these, yourself these questions. What path am I on? And am I flirting or fleeing? What path am I on? And am I flirting or fleeing? What path am I on, and am I flirting or fleeing? Because here's the truth. There are some things that are wrecking your souls, that are tearing your heart apart, that are messing you up, that aren't necessarily sex, that aren't necessarily oral, or even with another person. There are some things that we are doing, some, some steps we are taking, some relationships we have, some things we are doing that are just really sending us down the wrong path, and that are definitely not fleeing from sexual immorality. It's a little bit more like, eh, you know, I'm just going to kind of stay here and kind of edge towards it. But we're, not, we're definitely not fleeing. So ask yourself these two questions. What path am I on, and am I flirting or fleeing? Uh, statistics say that today teenagers spend about four to five hours in front of three screens, those three screens being a computer, uh, some type of tablet or iPad, and their phone. Four to five hours, the majority of that being obviously on their cell phone. Four to five hours a day on one of those three things. Four to five. Now this is an area where a lot of you, a lot of us are struggling. Now you may say, oh, you might get all self-righteous and be like, oh, I've never, never touched a girl, I've never... Even, even thought about doing that. But there are some things in your life, I can promise you, statistics say, that are tearing you up inside, that are putting you on the wrong path, that are making you flirt with sexual immorality rather than flee from it. So what are some of those things? And I'm just going to go through them real quickly. Uh, social media. There are many of you that are, social media is allowing you to flirt with sexual immorality. You're not fleeing from it, whether it's the people that you follow whether it's p p things that you post that, that, that make you look as if you're flirting with sexual morality, whether it's um, uh, something that you're, you're retweeting, something that you're reposting, whatever it is, there are things on your newsfeed that are drawing your eyes in and drawing your mind in a certain direction. And it's not just guys. A lot of times like, people are like, oh, only guys look at bad stuff. I see, I see all the girls, not all the girls, but some of the girls, and, and uh, I don't even know who it is, but following some like kind of like sex Twitter or something like that, girl sex, I don't know, something like that. And they're always retweeting stuff. And I've looked at the feed on that, and it's just all about sex and sexual immorality and having sex with your boyfriend and doing all these things or pictures. Do you think that's fleeing from sexual immorality? Let's be honest, it's not. 
And you might say, well, it's no big deal, Ryan. Stop being such a, stop being such a, a, a prude. And it's not that big of a deal. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. If you're flirting with sexual morality, you're going in that direction. You're putting yourself in a path that you don't want to be on. And you might say, well, I'm not going to have sex. Well, we don't mess up sexually all at once. So social media, there are some things we need to unfollow. There are some people we need to block. There are some people that we think some, we need to stop tweeting and to stop uh, putting out on Instagram or, or whatever on Snapchat because social media is sending us in a direction towards sexual immorality. It's putting us on the wrong path. Now this next one um, <clears throat> is, uh, might make some of you uncomfortable, but it is what it is. Um, is, is Snapchat and sexting. Okay, so I know a lot of you might say, oh, well, you know, everybody does. Oh, well, I've never, I've never really participated in that. Whatever you may say. If it doesn't, have, it doesn't apply to you, great. It doesn't apply to you. That's fine. Um, but for those of you, it does apply to. Those of you, it does apply to. I, I want you to hear this. If you are sending pictures, you're sending pictures of yourself or of other people, do you think that's on a path towards purity and honoring God with your body and your mind, or is it flirting? Are you fleeing or are you flirting? Do we really believe, in our heart of hearts, do we really believe that we can send that stuff, that we can see that stuff, that we can uh, get messages from people like that, and that it doesn't affect us, it doesn't affect our souls, it doesn't affect the way we think about sex? Do we really think that? We're fooling ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. Man, it can wreck you. It can wreck you. It changes the way you think. And, and, And like the church lady said, I mean, let's be honest, Someone else is going to see it. I can promise you that. And you might not care now. You might be like, oh, my body is banging. It's okay. It's all good. I don't care. Well, at someday, someday you're not going to want people to see those pictures. And the pictures will still exist somewhere. It'll exist on some server or some computer or some uh, phone somewhere. Um, and uh, and people, people keep that kind of stuff, especially guys. It's just the way it is. We're visual guys. So um, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Not if you want to protect yourself. Not if you want to stay pure. Not if you want to honor God with your body. And now, now you may say, some of you might say, well, I've never sent anything like that. But, but some people, times people send stuff to me and I can't really, really do anything about it. You're right. You can't do anything about it except you can block them. You know, you can block people's phones from texting you or calling you. You can block people on Snapchat. You can block people on Instagram. You can block people on any social media. That is possible. You don't have to get that stuff. So if someone, maybe that needs to be your, your step tonight. If you're a guy or a girl, if someone has sent you stuff in the past, you just block them. That doesn't mean you don't love them. That doesn't mean you don't forgive them. That doesn't mean any of that. It just means simply, I'm not going to even put myself in a situation where I may get pictures like that, or I might get tweets like that, or I might get information like that put onto my phone. Here's the third thing, and and, and many people struggle with this, is pornography. Pornography is one of the biggest things that is wrecking people in the way they think about sex and what they believe about sex. And, and of course, everyone's going to think, oh, well, he's only talking to guys here. Well, statistics show that the majority, not, not, not just, you know, 40, 50%, the majority of females that are teenagers look at some point at pornography as well. And it's kind of like the thing that no one wants to talk about, but it's true. There's so many people looking and dealing with pornography. Here's a statistic. 56% of young people believe, 56%, more than half of people, young people believe that not recycling is a major problem. That not recycling is a major problem. I'm all for recycling. Great. Okay, whatever. But it, it, 
it's not a soul issue, I don't think. It's not really going to really tear you apart or mess you up. 32% of those same people think pornography has something negative or wrong with it. 32%. That means 24% more people and young people believe that recycling is a bigger problem than pornography. Do you know a quarter, roughly a quarter of the entire internet is pornography? A quarter. Do we understand? Like, there are, there is a, there's a major porno- pornography site um, that gets 68 million hits a day. 68 million hits a day. There's a new pornography made uh, like every 39 minutes. It makes more money than all Hollywood combined, all Hollywood movies combined. All the actors and actresses, they're, they are dwarfed by the amount of money that pornography brings in. Porn is a major, major problem. And I can tell you, I know, I've talked to so many young people that deal with it, so many friends that deal with it. It is not something that is very uncommon. It is very common. And here's what it does. It makes you think pornography, pornography makes you think sex is only physical, that people are objects, guys and girls are objects. It tells you incorrect things about sex. Remember, what we believe is what we're going to live like. If we believe that life is like a pornography, we're going to live in a different way than someone that believes that, that, that sex is, is, is very intimate and that it's for a man and a spouse and, and it's, it's, it's within a marriage only. And so porn is wrecking some of our lives. And we've got to ask ourselves, are we, are we fleeing from sexual immorality when we look at that, or are we flirting? Actually, we're not even just flirting. We're just committing sexual immorality. We're, we're lusting after someone on a screen, after somebody on a webcam, and it is wrecking us. If someone took your phone right now, what would you do? That's probably a good indicator of, of if, if you have a problem with one of these things, with social media, sexting, Snapchat, pornography. You probably would be like, no, 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 give me that back. Let me, let me clear that history. Let me delete that search. Let me delete those pictures. And, and, and we don't want people to see certain things that are on our phone. And a lot of the time, it's because there are sexual things on them. Here's some other questions you can ask yourself when you're talking about what path am I on and am I flirting and am I fleeing? Who are you hanging out with? Who are you hanging out with? And I'm not just talking about your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Because guys, if you hang out with a bunch of guys who are like, dude, slay, man, just get with whoever you can get with, man. You can't, I can't even tell you how many girls I've been with, all this kind of stuff. Then, then, you, shh, then you are probably going to go down that road. Girls, if you're with a bunch of guys, girls that are like, come on, you can just do it. It's not that big of a deal. Just kind of give yourself up. You know, do you really love them? All that kind of stuff. You're going to put yourself in a situation where you're flirting and not fleeing. What's going on in your thought life? A lot of us might say, oh, well, you know, I'm not doing stuff, I'm not looking at pornography, but your thought life might be tearing you down. It might be sending you in a lustful path. What's happening behind closed doors and in the secret? Remember the guy in Proverbs, he said, well, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's not that big of a deal. It's just, it's just my, it's just a little step and a little step and a little step. And all of a sudden, all at once, he had put himself in a situation he didn't want to be in. He didn't want to be in. And so here, here's, here's the last thing I want to I say. The band can go ahead and come back up. This is what I want to say. I, I want you to think about some situations in your life. Whatever, whatever I said that hits you and that, that you're struggling with, I want you to think about what, the ba- what boundaries you can set around them. If you are struggling with pornography, maybe you need to go home and take a step to set a boundary and a drastic boundary. Now, some of you might say, well, Ryan, this is, that's crazy. I would never do that. Some of you might need to go home 
take your computer, unplug it, take it to your parents' room and say, I have a problem looking at pornography. I'm going to put this software on my computer. I want you to set the password so I can never get around it. And I'm going to keep my computer in your room between the times of 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. every single day. Now, some of you may say, oh, that's, ri- that's ridiculous, right? I would never do that. That's- I'm never going to tell my parents. Okay, suffer in silence. Keep being addicted to pornography. You know how many people get divorced because of pornography? I'll stop once I start having sex with my wife. No. People keep looking at pornography. People are addicted to pornography. It does things in our mind that are just like drugs. Pornography can tear you apart. You need to set a boundary. Some of you, it's with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and you need to say, I'm not going to be alone with you anymore. I'm never going to put myself in a room with you. I'm not going to put myself in a car with you. I'm only going to be with you when your parents are home. I'm only going to be with you with other friends. I'm only going to be with you at school or at a sporting event. And that's it. Now, you may say, that's ridiculous. I've got to be alone with my boyfriend. Well, if you can't handle it, then don't do it. If you can't handle it without going and flirting with sexual morality and having sex and doing other things, then don't do it. Some of you need to set your boundaries the way I said. I'm not going to touch certain places. I'm not going to do certain things with other people. <clears throat> Some of you need to go... And again, you need to unfollow, you need to block, you need to, to, to go and, and delete certain pictures on your phone. And you need to say, I'm going to let this phone be something that is pure and doesn't make me go towards sexual immorality. And here's the last thing in your notes. Keep the end in mind. Keep the end in mind. Here's the goal, and I want you to remember, because there is, a, there is a very short-term, you may not think it's short-term, but there is a very short-term goal when we're talking about sexual morality. One day, most of you, I would say the vast majority of you, want to be married, and you want to stand across from the guy of your dreams or the girl of your dreams. You want to go to the altar with your friends and your family in the room, with music playing, dressed in white or dressed in a tuxedo, and you want to marry the person that you're going to love more than anybody you've ever dated, that you're going to care about more than anybody you've ever cared about, that you're going to spend more time with than you've ever spent with anybody else. And one day you're going to be standing across from them, and you're going to have wished you set certain boundaries. You may think they're stupid right now. They're ridiculous. That's too much, Ryan. Like, I, I'm not going to do that. It, it's your life. Look, guys, I love you. I'm just trying to tell you what, what, what will help protect you. Jesus loves you a lot more than I do. He wants you to protect your purity, to chase after purity, to honor God with your body. The ultimate truth is you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, but keep the end in mind. There is a day where you are going to stand on that altar and everything else isn't going to matter anymore. All that other junk that you did, all, all, those other, all those other relationships that you were in, all the stuff that you looked at on your computer, it's not going to matter at all. And I want you to think about that now and take steps to protect yourself from those things. Right now, what if you spent the rest of your days avoiding sexual immorality? What if you spent the rest of your days seeking after purity? What if you spent the rest of your days not looking at a computer screen or not spending time with people you shouldn't be spending time with or not spending time alone in a dark room with your boyfriend or girlfriend, but you took drastic steps so that one day you could stand with a clear conscience, no strings attached to you as you stood up there with your spouse. Here's how we're going to respond. We're going to watch a video real quick in a second, but um, we're, we have the same cards we had last week. Some of you weren't here. Some of you uh, didn't get the chance to do it. Some of you might not have been sure. Maybe you were here last week and you're like, I'm not filling out that card. I'm not doing that. Um, it, is a, it is a commitment to honor God with your body. So they are in the back if you don't want to come up here, but they're also up here. And you just fill in your name, sign your name, and get someone else, an accountability partner, a life group leader, or a friend to sign it with you. And you just put it in this box. So that's available to you. The other thing I want you to do is I want you to write down on your card, write down on your notes, 
one or two boundaries you need to set in your life. And you guys know where you're at. You know what's going on in your life. You know where you struggle. Some of you struggle with certain things that others of you don't. But we all have struggles. We all have things that are drawing us towards sexual immorality. And so in order to flee, there are some boundaries we need to set. So I want you to write those down. I don't want you to just leave it in your seat. Keep it in your pocket. Take it home with you. And I want you to think about that. I want you to dwell on it. Because we are called to flee from sexual immorality. We are called to honor God with our bodies. And we do that chiefly through setting boundaries. So that's so important.